0: I'm Katie McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. As we've been digging into what the liturgical year can mean for us as Catholics, this one question has kind of consistently popped back into my head, usually after I wrap up the interviews with our guests. And it's it's not an overly complicated question I'm kind of building up to what might ultimately be a bit of a letdown but I'll I'll, I'll just simply say this right I, consistently I keep going back to well why does this matter You know, why does it matter that I'm paying attention to the rhythms of the church year? Why does it matter that I'm making sure maybe the menu reflects a saint of the day or the decorations in my house reflect what's going on inside the church when we go to mass on Sunday and make mention of these things to my kids or have a conversation about it with my husband or, you know, even just like think about it myself as I'm driving to and from school drop off or vacuuming the floors? I think the question could be asked honestly about anything, not just the liturgical year. Why does this matter? But I think I may be asking the question because there's something inside of all of us. This is going to go a little deeper than maybe I anticipated. There's something inside of all of us that wants things to have meaning, that wants things to be meaningful, You know, nothing in our life is casual or small. Nothing that we do is happenstance or accidental. Even the things that we think might be completely and totally benign and no big deal might end up having some pretty significant massive impact. And so what if recognizing we want things to matter, we want things to have meaning and value, what if we were intentional with what we did so that we could bring that meaning and value forth in a more obvious way? Again, maybe I'm speaking a little high-minded, so I'll I'll give a practical example. Earlier this season, we celebrated the Feast of St. Matthew, and last week's guest, Stephanie Aquila, she had this really cool thing on her Instagram where she talked about how, you know, St. Matthew is the patron saint of tax collectors, or, you know, as we would call them these days, accountants, (laughs) IRS agents, But Matthew, of course, is like associated with the counting of money. And in fact, in the moment when Jesus called him, St. Matthew was sitting there counting money and Jesus was able to see him in a very distinct and particular way, call him forth, look at him with the eyes of mercy and invite him to change his life. And Matthew's life is never the same. And we now have the Gospel of Matthew and we have the story of Jesus told by this man who has this profound encounter. So on the Feast of St. Matthew, which was... I think a Wednesday or a Thursday, the Feast of St. Matthew, which actually is a pretty significant day for Pope Francis. It was on the Feast of St. Matthew that he stopped into a church as a teenager and went to confession and first heard a stirring in his heart, maybe I could be a priest. The Feast of St. Matthew a day where we are invited to ponder and to think about God's own mercy as he looks upon us doing maybe something benign, doing our job, living our life. Jesus can call us in that moment. And so Stephanie was talking about this on her Instagram, and she said, you know, just a suggestion, make silver dollar pancakes for the Feast of St. Matthew. And I saw that And I took a screenshot of it, and I texted it to my husband, who makes breakfast every morning for the kids, and I said, hey, maybe we can do pancakes tomorrow for the Feast of St. Matthew. And he said, great idea. Why pancakes? And so I explained to him, silver dollar pancakes, Matthew was counting money, you know, silver dollar, and he's like, oh, that's great, maybe we could give the kids some gold coins too. And I I thought he was being kind of sarcastic, but I woke up the next morning, and I walked into the kitchen where we were all having breakfast, and... He had the silver dollar pancakes out, and he'd taken some play money from a Monopoly game and spread it out all over the table. And our kids were kind of confused, and so there we were at 6.15 on the morning of St. Matthew's Feast Day, blurry-eyed, chugging our coffee, explaining to our kids about the call of St. Matthew. And there was meaning. It was valuable. This season about liturgical living is, I think, trying to consistently answer that question with all these different guests coming in, And explaining to us how this particular thing, or that particular tradition, or this particular Saints' Feast Day, or this moment and rhythm within the life of the Church has value and has meaning in this particular way. And maybe you can bring some of that value and meaning into your own life. Our guest today is a dear friend of mine. I've known Erica for quite some time. As most millennial women will tell you, a lot of my friends I've made through Instagram, Erica truly is somebody that I've gotten to know pretty much entirely online, Our kids are similar ages. We're in similar phases of life where ministries and businesses and projects are growing. We're constantly busy. We're juggling sick kids. I've actually had Erica on SiriusXM with my show over there. She's been on my motherhood podcast, right? We have talked about a lot of different things and we're friends. So we text each other on a regular basis. And I was so excited when she shared with me a little over a year ago that she had a new book coming out with Ave Maria Press. I, of course, love Ave. I've written my books with Ave. I host this podcast for Ave, and I said, Oh my gosh, please tell me. I remember texting her this, please tell me it's a book about liturgical living. And she said, It is. It's basically like a project book that's going to be as beautiful as a, a book that you would pick up at Home Goods and leave on your table, and as useful as a, a manual for how to Catholic life. Oh, I was thrilled. I was so thrilled. And so, when I got the preview copies of Living the Seasons, which we have linked down in the show notes, by the way, I was even more thrilled because it is as beautiful, maybe even more beautiful than I anticipated. Erica's got some great insights into what it means to live with the rhythms of the year, to bring meaning into even the simplest of moments, to live with the traditions of the church, and to come up with new things. And she talks about this all from the perspective, too, of Bringing her business to life, which is very much a a labor of love, a ministry, an opportunity to recognize how we can be present to people and bring meaning into what might seem like a very simple moment. This all has meaning, right? This all takes us one step closer to the heart of Jesus. This hopefully all helps us recognize that there's nothing passive, nothing casual, nothing small, that living the liturgical year, celebrating the feast day of a saint with silver dollar pancakes, figuring out how to live with the seasons and rhythms of the church can bring deeper meaning. And there is just something so beautiful about that. This is all part of our Ave Explorer series on liturgical living and living the seasons. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, follow the show, wherever you're listening to it right now, give it a rating and a review. We'd be grateful for that. Most especially, we'd love it if you'd sign up for our weekly emails so you don't miss anything. It comes straight to your inbox, including an incredible giveaway that we're doing right now. You could win a basket full of liturgical living items, as well as a copy of Living the Seasons. Check it all out in the show notes. But for right now, I'd love it if you'd sit back and listen to this wonderful conversation with my dear friend, Erica Ty Campbell, about Living the Seasons and bringing meaning into what we're doing in the liturgical year. Erica, it's great to see you. Welcome to Ave Explorers. Thanks for having me. It's always great to chat with you. I'm holding in my hand the preview copy of your brand new book, Living the uh-huh. Seasons. I know it's in the warehouse. I think by the time this airs, it'll be out. It'll be out in the world. Yeah. People will have gotten their copies. Tell us who you are, who Be A Heart is, what Be a Heart is, and then we'll get into the new book.
1: Thank you so much for having me. My name is Erica Ty Campbell, and I am the founder and designer behind Be a Heart, which is a modern Catholic lifestyle brand. Um we make all sorts of things for the home, for babies and kids, and I am really excited to finally get to share with the world um, this book called Living the Seasons. It is a book of how to celebrate the feast days and seasons that the church has given us. We put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this (laughs) book. And um, it is as beautiful as I hoped that it would be. You know, when you work on something so hard and you can share tidbits like online, like if people followed me on Instagram. They saw the Mm -hmm. blood, sweat, and tears that went into it, and no (laughs) one knows really what you're doing because you can't share that, and you also can't share the vision that you have in your brain, and you kind of just have to wait for people to get to experience it. So I'm really excited um, that this is launch week to send it out into the world beyond just
0: me. Yeah, I remember we texted back and forth a little bit when you were working on some of it. And then in the midst of all of this, you've also moved across the country. So like throw that into the mix. Uh, So you birthed a book, you're moving into a new home. There's Mm -hmm. all these incredible new products coming from Be A Heart. Uh, The real question I want to ask is how do you manage all of that? But I'll, I'll start with... Be a heart. Every time my mom sees one of your products in my house, because there's quite a bit of it, she'll be like, remind me why she named it be a heart. And I'm like, oh, there's <laughs> a really cool story. And it involves mission work and like going to a foreign country and yeah. meeting incredible people. Tell us a little bit about where be a heart came from and why you want to create. I love how you put it like this lifestyle brand that is accessible for the person who's like daily mass going and the person who's like, oh, Catholicism's interesting and kind of weird and maybe kind of beautiful. Tell us that story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um,
1: I will give you as abbreviated form as I can. So um, it's one of those things where I also am like, why do I have a business that is named to be a heart?
0: <laughs> well, you can't change it now. You can't, it's on the book. Yeah, you can't at this change point,
1: it. <laughs> it's not going to change. And I remember I had 600 followers on Instagram. I started around the same time, you know, Instagram was starting too. And I was like, why well, I have 600 followers. Like I cannot change it now. And I look back and like, that is hilarious. Like should I change it back then? but it's one of those things that um, it's a really good reminder for me because it it is a message and it is a mission in a lot of ways that moved me. Um, I had read it in the little booklets for our orientation before I was moving to Brazil with a Catholic organization that was called Heart's Home. Now it's called Consolatio. Um, And the the founder had written that our jobs was to be a heart, nothing but a heart. Mm -hmm. Our job was not to go and build a hospital or build a school. It really was to journey with people. The whole, our charism is is to be like Mary at the foot of the cross. And really, if we look at Mary, she, she is a heart. She pondered things in her heart. And so we sought to accompany those who are lonely. And he saw that the greatest suffering in the world is not even those who who are are living in poverty or don't have material things. It really is um, a suffering of are being and that could be people in New York City. They they have a house in Brooklyn um, who are lonely and don't have don't have people. Um where I lived in Brazil, we lived with children whose parents couldn't care for them. So they weren't orphaned. They, we, we saw their parents, but their parents were, um, addicted to drugs or were, you know, not in a situation that they could care for their children. And so they would come live with us and then they could see their parents. Um, and we lived in a community, uh, where our lives centered around prayer and the simplicity of life. And then there were favelas, the, the, um, shanty towns that were nearby. And we would go, uh, walk through them and just visit the elderly. A lot mm-hmm. of times we had, I had some young, younger friends, but a lot of it was that the, these people didn't have visitors. So their families, you know, it's the same thing in the U S like families didn't live together or they would be really alone and they just wanted to have coffee with someone. And so the idea was it wasn't to be, we weren't, we were not evangelizing. Um, it wasn't something that like, we were trying to convert people to Catholicism. It it was really just to go be with them. And so Mm -hmm. we would sit and have coffee. Um, And so when I moved back to the US, I had this blog that I had been writing about my experience for 18 months living in Brazil. Um, And I thought, well, I'll continue writing and share what it means to um, be a heart. In Brooklyn as a 20-something. I think I was 24. And what does it look like to live my American life and continue on this mission of being a heart? I think in a lot of ways um, in my life, I think why I'm so drawn to that mission is that I have experienced loneliness and I I know that that poverty. Mm -hmm. And I think- interestingly has kind of circled back around like even in my motherhood finding that motherhood can be so lonely when you're with kids all day by yourself and your husband is off at work um, getting to be around other people and have adult mm-hmm. conversations <laughs> and you and I know like we're, we're at home and all of a sudden. You have to cancel your plans because your kids are sick and you were really looking forward to seeing your friend. And now you're stuck at home again and it's lonely. Mm -hmm. And so I think this idea of being a heart and again, you know, there's so I could talk about that for a whole podcast, but like this idea we're we're in, we live, we just lived through COVID times as I like to call it. And like, we all experienced how much harder life was. Mm -hmm because we were homebound and lonely. And so when I went to form a business, which it's a, one of those things where I'm like, well, God keeps surprising me. This was never the plan. I had studied sociology. I was working in a school. Um, I, was not an artist. I did not go to business school. I never imagined this. Like I don't. I couldn't have even dreamed of such a thing of owning a business like this. So, I had the blog and I had my my Instagram handle, and I started sharing on there my um, my calligraphy that I was teaching myself. And it's pretty funny because um, I was sharing things. They, they just looked terrible when i look back on them i was using the wrong side of of like the calligraphy nib yeah and i didn't know it cuz i was teaching myself <laughs> and like there was no one to tell me that that was wrong and i was sharing my experience and in and then in simultaneously i was getting sober so i had been living through this really dark time the story goes that i needed something to do with my hands um and to kind of pass the time in the evenings where my anxiety got so bad that i would used to turn to alcohol. Mm -hmm. And then my brother told me that I should have a business and opened an Etsy shop and I called it Be a Heart because that's what I had. Yeah. And then um there it is. Like there's (laughs) there wasn't a whole lot of thought. Um and
0: (laughs) but God had a thought.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And like it just is, but it is, I will tell you it's a strange thing when someone says like what's your business? And I'm like, be a heart. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. And you have to say it again. Or like saying my email is complicated. And it in a lot of ways, when I think about it, I'm like, well, I get to explain mm-hmm. this name yeah. on podcast like this. And really, I get to explain this, this call. I, I really do think that we all have as Christians mm-hmm. to primarily be a heart for mm-hmm. people um, in our families, in our communities, uh, for our children. Like above all, we are called to love. And to be a heart means to sit with and to journey with. And it's not always that. It's definitely not an easy, an easy calling, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That ministry of presence. um, Yeah. You know, it does make sense as somebody who has frequently brought your stuff from be a heart into my home and handed it to my kids or decorated my house with it or you know, tucked in the blankets on the bed that my children refuse to let me. I have to secretly wash them because they're like, they're not going to be soft anymore. I'm like, they're always soft. That's the point. They're going to be softer. But softer. Like, that's the point of muslin. Like, they will get softer, guys. I don't know how to explain <laughs> this to you any other way. But those products, like these tangible physical things that alert me to the, the reality of the church or just give me a visual representation of something that's going on in the liturgical year— that's actually helping me be more present to my family. That that mm-hmm. reminds me of like, you know, even if it's just an Advent wreath sitting on the table, like, oh, we're in the season of Advent and in the season of Advent, we should be kinder. We should be more joyful. We should mm-hmm. be more mm-hmm. penitential with this, that or the other. And, and so there's a beautiful meshing of this experience of ministry and mission and these products that are sold in a business that actually allow me to remember I'm called to this ministry right. of presence. So it's very providential. I think the name is perfect. Because again, like sometimes people will ask me, Oh, where'd that come from? The Saint blanket. We've been stopped at gas stations before because we've opened up the minivan and like one kid's Based wrapped it. in Mary and one kid's wrapped in the saints. And people be like, Where'd you get that?
1: Uh-huh. And I'll tell them, you know, yeah. be a
0: heart. Like, I'll, I'll tell them go follow her on Instagram, go to her website. But I love how it's grown and expanded from this calligraphy project to all mm-hmm. of these products. Stuff that like needs to be in Target, like stuff that anybody should be able to grab. And and use in their faith. Tell us a little bit about how you have navigated that creation process. We've had a couple different business owners on the season coming up in later episodes and and already talk about how they've sourced things for marketplaces to help people liturgically live or like, you know, the development of saint socks. We've got that episode coming about, like, how do we wear a saint's feast day on our ankles? But you've got some really unique things and have created an entire book, like telling people how to create things themselves. What is your process like? Do you sit down and look at the church calendar and say, "Okay, we need Advent products, we need Lent products, we need something for Ordinary Time." I'm still hoping that eventually we get a feast day cake plate, just like you have, like the your special yes. for birthdays. I want like your. Something. I literally think of you every day. As I, <laughs> I, I can't that. tell
1: you what I'm working on. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> currently,
0: but oh, okay. I feel like it. Okay, great. I just your stuff is the only stuff I want to use. How do you come up with it? That's the question.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um. It is interesting. Uh, I will say for a long time, I just made whatever came to mind.
0: Um, <laughs> I wanted? am
1: trying to be a little more strategic in my thinking <laughs> uh, to be able to. Um, I, I'm learning how to be a businesswoman through mm-hmm. this, right? Like that was never I was always I wasn't even an artist at first. I didn't know how to draw. I've been teaching myself through this. i um, like, I want to make that. So I better learn how to do it mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. But I think, you know, I was living in Los Angeles when I first started it. And I there back then in 2014, there really was a lack of products Mm -hmm. for a modern Catholic or Christian person. I would say maybe they were more in like a non-denominational Christian community. They had, they were a little bit ahead of the game on it all. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could only buy the things that had been around for, you know, a hundred years that our grandmothers were buying. Right. I met someone recently at a trade show who they sell the, um the baptism and first communion plates. Like he was, he, he was an elderly guy and he was like, Oh yeah, no, this is, these have been around for like a hundred years and it's the same exact one. And no one had ever thought like, maybe we should like make a new one. Um, <laughs> and. So for me, finding things that I wanted to purchase myself, a lot mm-hmm. of it comes from like, what do I want? What do I want for my kids and my home? Um, that's where the best ideas come from for me. And I think, especially like I was having kids in 2018 when I first started really starting to think to do my own products, because I had been designing a lot for other for other um, brands mm-hmm. uh, and Companies that that weren't even in a religious world, like I was in, mm-hmm. I did a lot of parties um, and things in Los Angeles, and so I started thinking about how I could integrate those two things. I've had to teach myself pretty much every single thing, like I learning how to source products, how to design products, how to um, sell a product. You know, mm-hmm. all of this has been a real learning curve oftentimes I'm like, well, I would want to buy that with a Catholic message. Like this is a really mm-hmm. cool product, but what I want to pass on to my children, like it could be cool if this just had like Catholic imagery on it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the first thing that I made were the swaddle blankets, uh, the Our Lady Guadalupe ones. And I didn't I wasn't even pregnant at the time. I was like just married.
0: But y'all went to Mexico City for your We went to Mexico honeymoon. City for
1: our honeymoon and I had a real devotion. Actually you can see the image um yeah. here that was first made and I was like, "Oh, what if this went on a swaddle?" So that's how that came about. And then now um I think you know, I'm always just trying to look for like the whole in the market and mm. I will say over time and like it's getting harder and harder. There's a lot of amazing companies and other people who have come into this space. So it's definitely not as easy as it once was. Mm-hmm. And I know from my experience that we know that the Holy Spirit is the creator. So a lot of times I'm like, "Okay, we got to come up with something. Like mm-hmm. what are we going to do for this?" And allowing God to move me or inspire me in different ways. And then some of it is trial and error. Like some things that I think are going to do really well are a real flop. So with this liturgical living book which is not something i grew up doing like right we i don't know about you but growing up i didn't even go to catholic school so mm. for us we went to religious ed we had our advent wreath we had our advent calendar we ate fish um sandwiches at mcdonald's on ash wednesday and <laughs> we um you know there were minimal things that i don't and not in a way i think my parents just didn't have access to these yeah. things either And so recognizing like, how do you pass on the the traditions? And we don't, we're not even educated in them. I'm not, I'm, I am not an expert in this. Mm -hmm. I like, I'm simply just a mom. Um, I work really fast. And so I don't, I I can't tell you like, I'm like an in-depth, like you're going to find out every single thing about this saint Mm -hmm. when you follow me, because I don't know. And I probably can't remember half of it. (laughs) Um, But I think I'm just like a regular woman who has gotten great joy and like, um, fulfillment in, in the church and am exploring it at the same time as sharing it. Like, it's mm-hmm. not like, a I'm not an expert in right. any way. Yeah. And I think that that has some appeal because I'm literally just like all the other moms and we're all really busy and we're all trying to juggle. And many of us are working outside of our home and caring for our children. And we want to pass on things and, and fill our homes with a beautiful things and be things that, that, um, remind us of God, because Mm -hmm. I think otherwise, like we're all going to drown, you know? And so, being able to create things for that for the modern family that is not like so intense that, like turns people away from it. yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like It becomes just a part of,
0: yeah. I mean, when we were growing up, you knew a family was Catholic when you walked into their house because they had, like, a giant crucifix somewhere. Right. And we have a crucifix when you first walk in our house. but we also have, this really cool pen and ink drawing of the Holy Family that I bought off of Etsy. And my kids have these Saint blankets and these Mary blankets on their beds. And they've got a Mary doll that is often the the toy of choice to go to mass from Mm -hmm. your shop. And like, do you feel, I I feel like as, as millennial women who now have the internet, maybe this, I'm answering my question before I even asked it, but like, because of the internet, there seems to be this rise of we can all see what other people are doing so let's source these ideas of how Mm -hmm. to pass the faith on in these really dynamic and engaging ways with this beautiful stuff but like it didn't just happen because of social media like pinterest Mm -hmm. was around and i didn't feel like the liturgical living thing was going on when i was staring at pinterest in 2013 and 2014 but now here we are in 2023 and i i'm and we are recording this in september i'm already thinking about some of the Advent things that we're going to do, because it's like I'm conditioned to know, well, I'm going to want to do some Adventy things with my kids because that's important to me. Why do you think there has been this peaked interest in wanting to pass the faith on, especially to kids, but I mean, liturgical living is for everyone, right. but in this way with the rhythms of the church? Do you think something has happened within our church that's kind of signaled, hey, this might be a really good way to do it?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really interesting question
0: to think through,
1: too, because this has been around forever. Like if you look into it and you can see that different cultures have generally how, how it has been passed on is that a feast day or something would be really important to one culture. So you have a Marian apparition that has done something for a town and every year on that day they're celebrating it a certain way. Um, and I and I do think that the internet has done a lot for that, right? And maybe mm-hmm. more than the internet is social media, because we are able to see, as you said, like how people are doing this. I think that um, it can kind of swing, right? Like I, I think even with COVID and like all of our lives got thrown into this upheaval, right? And there were no things that like marked time mm-hmm. anymore, if you think about that. But but the seasons never change. So if you if you're living, you know, for that year in 2020 or whatever it was, 2021, where every day could almost be the same if you didn't do something. Mm-hmm. And so being able to follow the rhythms um of our life and looking around us and then and then to recognize like our church has offered this to us. And I think it can go two ways. I think you can go too intensely into it where it becomes like an obligation and it becomes something Mm -hmm. that is no longer enjoyable or like it becomes a box that you check off or um, something so intense. But I think if you can do it with some levity Mm -hmm. and you can find the things, as you said, like what is important for our family? What are the seasons that I enjoy Um, or what are the saints that have inspired me or who, like, who is speaking to me. I feel like a lot of times you can see people say like, oh, I didn't even know about this saint. And she just keeps appearing to me, like in all these different ways. And like, what is she with her life? What is, is she saying to me?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think the thing that, um, at least for me, like what speaks the most to me. So we have two different things, right? Like we have the seasons of the church where you have the big seasons of Advent and Lent and Easter um, and ordinary time. And then you have all these feast days of different saints um, within that time. And I think the thing that for me, you know, I used to only know about the big saints, like Uh, this podcast coming out on October 4th is my birthday. Mm -hmm. And so when we would have sleepovers from my birthday party, we would then take all my friends to the animal blessing at the church for the feast of St. Francis. And later I learned about Our Lady Guadalupe um, after my my family had traveled to uh, Mexico City when I was like 14. And so there were a few saints that I knew of but I really didn't know uh, that many. Like I knew Mm -hmm. the big ones, you know? And I think the thing that is so beautiful as we, as the world, you know, I think we are awakening to a little bit late, but to the beauty of diversity Mm -hmm. in our our society and in our communities and to recognize the diversity of the saints in our church, which I do think needs to diversify even more, um, as you look through this, like, okay, we've got quite a few of these, uh, white Italian saints here Mm -hmm. or, you know, different (laughs) things. There's a lot, but, but the thing for me that has stuck out the most is like, really, even within that, like there has been such a call for each saint to be fully themselves. Mm. And God doesn't call that saint to be a saint like this other saint. Each one is so unique. And and fitting to their personality, to like the deepest things about them, God has called them. And mm-hmm. so in studying the saints, learning about them and inviting them into our lives and teaching us how they reveal God to the world mm-hmm. inspires us to be more fully ourselves in who God is calling us to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can, you know, I've seen, so I think social media has also, done a disservice in in our comparisons of ourselves to other women especially i think fall into this mm-hmm. um of what our homes look like or how we're living liturgically you know and and i think that we're getting it wrong in that because what we should learn what we can learn what is offered in this is is really like everyone is called as themselves mm-hmm. and we can show our children that beauty by, by being ourselves and then teaching them to discover who they are
0: yeah,
1: and who God is calling them to be. And for me, like, that is what I want. I want my, my girls, I don't want them to be me. I don't want them to be, uh, like my mom or the other girl in their class. Like I want them to become fully alive in who they are mm-hmm. and in teaching them the different saints that that are in our church like that is such a beautiful way to um to offer that and then it it doesn't have to be you know in the book when we go back to the book like it doesn't have to be saying um this is who this person is and this is the date they were born and this is really just like in creating something that Mm -hmm. recalls them like it's just an introduction you know and I'll say like so um Hildegard's feast day was this last weekend and it was on Sunday. So yeah, really Sunday, like overpowers her, but I didn't care because I like her. And I, while the girls napped, I did one of the activities, which is I had, I, I don't know. Some, these ideas are not, I will tell you, there are some ideas that have been passed (laughs) down. And then there are a lot of ideas that just came to me as I was researching like who these saints are and about their lives. So like, you know, so I had this idea. Hildegard says she she has this concept of greening and that God like green greens our souls and around us. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, if we paint something green to hang in our home and then we see this green painting and then we're we're reminded of this concept and of her. Mm -hmm. And so while the kids napped, I painted and i never allow myself to just paint for the joy of painting mm. and i it's very life giving for me and so i painted um in the book like you buy a canvas framed canvas at goodwill for 3 bucks and then you paint it um green and i put a leaf like a collard green on the one that i did this weekend And for me, like, I just, as I was painting, I was just thinking about Hildegard and like who she is and, Mm. and how she was, um, a real force in our church and the world and like her uniqueness. And, and then I hung it and then I keep seeing it in my kitchen and I like can recall that, you know, and that was for me. I didn't invite my kids. I could have gotten something for them to paint green, but, <laughs>
0: but what I did yeah.
1: with a book is like, there are some things we can do with our kids, but this isn't something that is only for moms and children to do. Right. right. And I wished that I had this book when I was single and had a lot more time because mm-hmm. for me, creating things and doing things um, was really life-giving for me in- yeah. My season of singleness. Um, and I would have loved to pick it up and like learn these things, you know? And now we have less time. And so what it looks like for me is like the other day, I re- oh shoot, it's the Nativity of Mary. I saw it in the morning. I was like, oh shoot, okay. I didn't plan anything. I was like, okay, I have a box of cake mix. And I told Frances that when she got home from school, we would make a cake. And she reminded me like 12 times not to burn it because the last time we made cupcakes, they burned everywhere. And they never forget. Those kids never forget. No. And she, I was glad because I do burn a lot of things. So she stood there waiting. And we um I love that. Then the cake fell as I was getting it out. Like baking is not my thing. You won't find that many recipes in the book because it's just like, I appreciate
0: no, that. I appreciate that.
1: Not my my skill. Um, but we did include some. And they didn't care that the cake had fallen. We just frosting put frosting and we made little decorations and we sang Mary Happy Birthday. Yeah. And that was it. That's it. That's awesome. And for her, like for them to form a friendship with Mary. Mm-hmm. Like that's all I want to yeah. pass down to them. Is that Mary's
0: a friend, you know? I have to tell you, I um so I I gotta see previews of the book. And uh, I was so excited because the um, the pages that they sent me were they, – they sent out, like, one, like, small printed copy of, like, a handful of pages. And so right. I got the PDF of that before it arrived at my house, uh, I think at, like, the end of August. And I flipped through it, and there was some activities for St. Teresa of Calcutta's feast day, which is at the beginning yeah. of September. And so one of them was make blessing bags for the homeless, which we did because there are a handful of unhoused people uh, on our way to school. And so we stopped and were able to give them – these little bags that we made. But then there was this activity and it's as simple as can be. Uh, And it meant so much to my kids, the decorating the pencils activity. pencils Based off of a quote from St. Teresa of Calcutta, which I love. Like that's what this book is filled with. I think a lot of times with liturgical living, there's here's bake this recipe, which is great or recite this prayer or memorize this poem or do this parade. Like there's so many things that can be done To celebrate that feast day or to celebrate that season to kind of like lean into the rhythms. (laughs) But this was the most unique thing I've seen. Let's take a quote from a saint that everybody's seen. Like I'm pretty sure I've seen this quote on a magnet in the airport. You know, like I am like a little pencil and your activity was decorate pencils. So it started with washi tape, which I've never bought in my life because I'm not a crafty person like that. Uh Went to Target, had a blast picking out washi tape set it out on the table, and we did this quick little activity where we decorated pencils. And Rose then got it in her head that she wanted to decorate pencils for all her classmates. And so I had to go buy more washi tape and more pencils, and we decorated these Mother Teresa pencils. And she brought them to school that week and passed them out to her friends. And the teacher emails me kind of confused. Okay, so she kind of explained to me what she did but she keeps calling them Mother Teresa pencils like and the teacher, because of who I am, I guess she was like, these weren't blessed or like brought to Mother Teresa's <laughs> grave or like I was like, no, these were just an activity from a book based off of the quote. And I probably should have like warned the teacher. My daughter's going to confess out what she's going to call Mother Teresa pencils. But I loved it because it was like all of a sudden my kid knew about Mother Teresa we talked about her mission and her work. And then she was able to do something for her friends that kind of like looped them into it. And that's what this book is full of. That's why it's so unique. I'm not just trying to commercial the book here, but you should all go grab a copy as soon as you can. But it's like this, let's let's engage with the person's feast day or let's engage with the liturgical year In a very relatable way. So my kids, like you said, with Mary can have this friendship or can have this understanding. Or in 30 years, like I'm pretty sure Rose is going to remember when we decorated, I'm never going to forget, we decorated pencils with washi tape and talked about Teresa of Calcutta and I showed him a YouTube video, you know? Like when you created these crafts, I love, this is me affirming you, I love, some of them are complicated. I'm not going to go make Uh a punch thing needle, with a, um, yeah I can't do needle I, that's just not happening not now not now but I can decorate washi tape pencils I mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. throw a birthday party for Mary I can obviously set up my advent candles tell me how this has helped you with your faith I know it was an, a stressful process getting the book written and photographed yeah. but like when it was all said and done did you sit back and think okay now I get to watch this unfold in people's lives I get to try things out with my own kids like how how has this affected your living with the rhythms of the church
1: I imagine you have had this experience as well where something that comes out of you, right? Like I spent all this time doing this. It's one where I look, I'm like, I I know, and I don't say this often, but I know this is like far beyond me. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this was not a thing that I saw like all the points of my life leading to. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, it could have granted. I, it's funny because I had no time to write it and it was really stressful. And probably if I'd had a year to do it, I would have left it still to do it in a month and a half because of who I am, right? <laughs> like I do really well with deadlines. I did. I didn't plan that well. Like it was really stressful. But when I look at it and I think like I was the kid who loved to do crafts. And like I wanted to go to the craft store and I wanted to pick out a new thing and I wanted to learn how to do it.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: I did. So when I was looking for something to do as I was getting sober and I was like, I need something that is going to not make a huge mess because I lived in this tiny apartment in Brooklyn with roommates and I needed to be able to do it and I needed to be able to put it away. And I recalled my mom buying me this calligraphy set as a child. And I was like, huh, maybe I'll learn how to do that again. And so for this, for, for this book, like all of those experiences then lead into this book of mm-hmm. activities. Right. And what I wanted was something that is so beautiful that could sit out on a coffee table mm-hmm. and could be flipped through, or could be gifted to someone who has never heard of liturgical living in their lives. And it's they're intrigued because it's so beautiful, and it opens up this beauty of our church mm-hmm. in a way that, as I was making it, to fully understand that there are seasons of the earth and of our lives, and God is in it all. Like for a God who has created the way that that the earth works, that the leaves fall, and then there's a time of quiet and darkness for the rebirth process and how Mm -hmm. that then relates to our inner lives and our spiritual lives that in times of, of darkness to not despair, like the, the, the feast days during Advent in this time of solitude, then like Christmas is a time of joy. Mm -hmm. And so it says to us, like, do not despair there's more coming or we look at the um you know the the cycle of life death and resurrection that mirrors the seasons of the earth the mm-hmm. cycle of of the earth that says like if you are in a time of despair like don't do not lose hope mm-hmm. spring is coming like life is coming resurrection mm-hmm. is coming and so for me it was a really good reminder as i was doing this of like when i really look at where you know, my addiction was alcohol. So it's easiest, easy to talk about that, but that is not everyone's experience. However, many of us are addicted to things, whether, you know, whatever it is, our phone or I had lost hope. Like I had no hope in, in that time of my life. And so Mm -hmm. that was my coping mechanism. And if I could go back to myself then and say like, do not lose hope. Like, yes, this is a time of, darkness and, and loneliness, but like, it's not the end. Mm -hmm. And so I think through living liturgically and finding joys, you know, I, it's a real reminder of, for me of God's presence. And Mm. I think in this season right now, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and it's a hard season for me And I can say again to myself, like, this is not the end. It's not going to be like this forever. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be hard like this forever. And then I'm always looking for things to do with my kids, right? Like, how do we make today special? How do we bring a little extra joy today? And it's like, well, we have this blueprint in a lot of ways that like, I can go look and and now there's this book, like for me even, I'm like, oh, what feast days do we have coming Mm -hmm. up this week? And here's like a little way to live differently. Like we don't have to just look at um our like calendar holidays like mm-hmm. Labor Day and coming up Columbus Day or Thanksgiving, but there's so much more to celebrate uh because our lives are rich and full and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me it's a given me things to do with my kids, which I always appreciate. I've learned over the years like not fight reality. Like when I am most dissatisfied in life is when I want something to be different than it is. Mm-hmm. And so if I can really live in the season that I'm in, whether it's um, a big season of Advent or if it's like the season of of mothering young children, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just a mini way, like it's a little practice, yeah. you know, to to live liturgically.
0: I love that. Yeah. Living that reality. I mean, like the liturgical season is real. Uh, My husband, I think I've pointed this out probably in every episode. My husband loves to point out that John the Baptist's feast day is when the days start getting shorter. Like Uh in the, in like the, the, the solar cycles of the year. I don't know. I don't know what the scientific word is. Uh, But like, that's when the, the days start getting shorter because the light of the world is coming. And so like John literally must decrease and Christ Increases mm-hmm. And it's like, that's time dweller. I just learned the other week, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who's the first U.S.-born citizen saint, was canonized on the anniversary of when Francis Scott Key wrote The Star Spangled Banner. Now, I have no idea. If the Vatican cared about that. But it's like our national anthem was written on this day. And then in 1975, that's when St. Elizabeth Ann Seaton was canonized. It's just wild to me, those, those connection points. We end every episode this season by asking one simple question. And I'm curious to see what your answer is. And if, it, if it's the same one as others. Um, what's your favorite liturgical season? And what do you like to do in that particular season that's really sure. special? I mean,
1: I think I really do like Advent. And it feels kind of...
0: That's been the winner this whole season. Everybody has loved Advent.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a season filled with hope. And I always need more hope in my life. I say I'm more inclined to um seeing things negatively, which mm-hmm. helped me in this. But I love the joyful anticipation and i think there are some really fun things and i love mary and so mm-hmm. i love that we get to uh really connect with her in that season um and there's a real excitement and i feel like the whole world is turned to it mm. you know like they're in tune with it whether they understand it or not yeah and i love that unifying experience
0: I agree. I think Advent has the most fun stuff to do. Yes. So I'm always big Advent fan. Okay, Erica, where can folks follow you? Visit Be a Heart's website, get all this incredible stuff. And of course, we'll have a link down in the show notes to a copy of Living the Seasons.
1: Great. Yeah. So um, our website is beaheart.com. And you can follow us on Be A Heart Design um, on Instagram. But then also me personally is Erica Ty Campbell um, on Instagram too, where you can see me ha- you know, making cakes that break.
0: <laughs> for Mary's birthday, though. I don't think she cares. Yes. I think yeah. she's I think she's fine with it. Erica, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Katie. It's always great to chat with Erica, most especially because we both got off that podcast interview and had to run right back into mom life. She hung up the call and went and picked up her oldest. I walked into the hallway to find a, a crying three-year-old standing there, very upset that I had locked her out of my office while I was talking to somebody. It's right back into the throes of life. And I I kind of hope that maybe you're listening to this podcast in the midst of busyness and chaos. That's when I listen to podcasts. I listen to podcasts when I'm folding laundry, when I'm tidying up the house, when I'm getting ready for bed and kind of these stolen moments because life is so full, life is so busy. And, And in that fullness, in that busyness, there is great meaning to be found. And if we can stop and pause just a handful of times intentionally, think about the feast day. Of that particular day or the liturgical season that we find ourselves in. Think about maybe a moment of prayer that we could find or an instance, a particular moment where we can celebrate something within the life of our church, even if it's just a, a quick, you know, Jesus, help me to remember this, and you rattle off the virtue of a particular saint, or Lord, give me the awareness of your presence when, and, you know, think of a particular instance or moment. That in the hurried rush, in the busyness, in the chaos, or maybe even the most mundane, benign, simplistic moments where nothing seems to be happening, that we could maybe be shown in a a greater way God's goodness, God's glory, God's love for us. Maybe that celebrating the the rhythms of the year actually clue us in to God's goodness, that living the seasons kind of shows us the rhythmic seasonality of our own life, the busy seasons, the quiet seasons, the, the full seasons, the not so full seasons, that we recognize there's an integration, we recognize there's a connection, we recognize there's joy. Liturgical living shouldn't just be like this homework project that we give ourselves to make ourselves busy, within the world. It should be this opportunity to deeply engage with what is happening in the life of the church and allow that to form us and shape us and and change us. I'm rambling. You kind of know the point of this whole season, but I, I do have to tell you, you know, here we are at the halfway point of our season. We've spoken to some incredible guests. We've got even more incredible conversations coming. I rarely go back and listen to these episodes myself. You know, I record the conversation, I write the show notes, I do the intros and the outros. I know what the conversation was all about. But this season, I've gone back and listened to because I recorded some of it so long ago that I wanted to be reminded of everything that we talked about. And it has been moving for me. I can very personally say that it has reminded me to lean more intentionally into the liturgical year to embrace the gift That is the rhythms of the church. So I just want you to know that I'm exploring this with you. Yes, I'm hosting the conversations and asking the questions, but I'm walking the journey of discovering the value of liturgical life as well. Make sure that you're following our podcast. Share it with your friends. I hope that it's impactful for you. I hope that it's been life-giving for you. We're so grateful that you're journeying with us. We've got so much more to come. So stay tuned for a lot more of Ave Explores, as we look at living the seasons and living liturgically.